life is one of great tragedy and great grief. Can't you come teach me some things? All right, if you'll go ahead and open your Bible to John chapter 4, we'll be there in just a moment. All right, our assignment this afternoon is entitled Opportunities Abound, The Power of Campus Ministry. I want to think just a minute about the first couple words of that title, Opportunities Abound. And um, that's a very, very accurate statement, isn't it? I mean, don't opportunities abound? Aren't they just everywhere? Don't you find them around every corner and behind every door? Don't you find them in every day of the week? I mean, it's not like opportunities are just limited to a certain day. It's not like Monday is a day where opportunities abound, and then as soon as Tuesday rolls around, there's no more opportunity until the next Monday when they're found again. That's not how it works. I mean, opportunities are everywhere. They do indeed abound. I'm trying to think about how to illustrate that. And a couple of weeks ago, my family and I were driving from Alabama back to our home in South Carolina. And about the time we got just on the other side of Atlanta, around Conyers, Georgia, we were met with this huge cloud of yellow dust. It's pollen season. And when pollen comes, how does it come? I mean, in abundance. And we drove through that yellow cloud of pollen from the other side of Atlanta all the way to the coast of Carolina. And that's pretty much what opportunities are like. They are there in abundance just like the pollen when pollen season rolls around. But what does our Lord and Master want us to do with the opportunities that we find around us? I mean, when we find these abounding opportunities, what does Jesus want us to do with them? And so we begin in John chapter 4. As we find ourselves in the midst of these abounding opportunities, Jesus, through the Scriptures, wants us to look for these abounding opportunities to do good for the growth and the advancement of His kingdom. You're probably familiar with what's happening in John 4. Jesus and His disciples have come to a certain city... Jesus sits down at the well because he's tired, he's weary from traveling, and his disciples go into the city to find something to eat. And when they return, they find Jesus engaged in conversation, Jesus conversing with the Samaritan woman. Verse 27 says, they did not say, why are you talking to her? They didn't say that, but that's what they're thinking. Their thoughts are, why is Jesus, our master, talking, number one, to a woman? And number two, why is he conversing with this Samaritan? Because us Jews, we generally have no dealings with the Samaritan. Well, why is Jesus conversing with this Samaritan woman? Because he sees here an abounding opportunity to harvest a heart for the kingdom of heaven. An opportunity to plant the gospel into a heart that might produce one who would become a follower of the Messiah. And so as she learns about Jesus, she leaves her water pot and she goes running to the town to tell others and to bring them out that they might come and see Jesus. It's on this occasion that as she's gone, Jesus says something to his disciples, verses 34 and following, he says to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already white to harvest. Jesus said, here's what I want you to do as my followers. Lift up your gaze and look. Right? It's translated see in the English Standard Version. It means to look closely or to perceive. Jesus said, I want you to be able to lift up your eyes and to look closely at what is around you that you might see and perceive the opportunity. Look at the fields. He's not telling his disciples to look at literal physical fields. He wants them to be able to, with their spiritual eyes, discern opportunities for spiritual harvest. And Jesus says the fields are already white. Well, as the people of God, that's what Jesus wants us to do with opportunity. He wants us to be individuals and congregations who lift up our eyes, who constantly are looking around us for opportunities to do good and to advance His kingdom. As individuals who follow Jesus, there, we, opportunities abound around us for us to do good. Opportunities abound around us for us to hallow the name of God and to advance the kingdom and to accomplish the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. As congregations lift up their eyes and look around them, they'll find that opportunities abound for them to exalt the name of God, to do the will of God on earth as it is done in heaven. So as you think about lifting up and looking around you as you serve Jesus, the opportunities that you might see on your field of vision that you might perceive might look different than the opportunities that I see and perceive in my field of vision. But the reality is there will be an abundance of opportunity if we train our eyes to look and to see it. As congregations, when we lift up our eyes and look at the fields around us and the potential and the possibilities, we might see some different ones. There's going to be an abundance of opportunity. And as congregations lift up and look at the opportunities that abound around them, some congregations are going to see the opportunity and the possibility of campus and college ministry because they're located in a town where there's a college right across the street or there's a college one street over or just down the block. But not every congregation is going to see that. Not every congregation can look up and find that they're in a town where there is campus and college ministry. That potential and that possibility. But for congregations that do, Jesus is saying, I want you to look at that closely I want you to perceive and see the opportunity that is there to plant the gospel into the hearts of men, to ask them and to invite them to come and see Jesus, that they might have an opportunity to be saved. And so when it comes to opportunity, Jesus wants us to look for those abounding opportunities. Look now at Ephesians chapter 5. What does Jesus want us to do with abounding opportunities? He wants us to be able to see and to perceive them. But when we see them, he wants us to latch on to those opportunities to do good and to grow and to advance his kingdom. Individually and congregationally, we have allowed opportunities on different occasions to slip through our fingers. We looked up and we saw them, but instead of taking hold of them, we just allowed that opportunity in that moment to pass. We could have grabbed a hold of it and used it for our God and for His glory and for the good of the kingdom, but we just did it. But here in this passage, Paul reminds us that what Jesus really wants of us is when we see those opportunities to latch on to them, to grasp them, and to use them. 
And so Ephesians 5 and verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly or walk wisely, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The term redeem there means to buy up. Here's what our master wants of us, for us to buy up the opportunities to grab a hold of them. And so if we're a part of a congregation that lifts up our eyes and can see across the street or down the block a campus, a college, then we ought to grab a hold of this opportunity for campus and college ministry. We ought to grasp it to use it for the Lord and for His glory. Not only as a congregation, but if we're an individual, a member at a congregation that's engaging in campus ministry, we ought to look up and see that there's a need for us to be engaged in that ministry as a follower of Jesus on a personal level, and we ought to reach out and grasp a hold of it and engage ourselves in that ministry. Number three takes us to Matthew chapter 9. What does Jesus want, to do, want us to do with abounding opportunities? He wants us to lift our eyes to see them, to reach out and to grab a hold of them. And really what he wants us to do is get busy laboring in that ministry for his good, for the growth of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 9 follows a section in Matthew's account of the gospel where Matthew says at the end of Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and disease. Matthew will repeat that statement at the end of Matthew chapter 9, that Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching in the synagogues, healing all manner of sickness and disease. Sandwiched between those two statements, the end of Matthew 4 and the end of Matthew 9, is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and a series of miracles that Jesus performs, Matthew 8 and 9. And so what you have is the Sermon on the Mount serves as a summary and a sampling of what type of teaching and preaching Jesus was doing as he traveled, preaching about the kingdom and about the heart of those who follow God. And Matthew 8 and 9 serves as a summary and a sampling of the kind of miraculous things that Jesus did to confirm that his message was from God. Then he says there in Matthew chapter 9, To his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus said, I want you to be able to perceive the potential for spiritual harvest to reach out and to grab a hold of those opportunities. And I want you to labor in them because the reality is there is plenty of opportunity for harvest... But in comparison, the number of laborers and workers is puny. It's few. So you engage yourself and you labor in those opportunities. And while you're laboring and toiling and working, be pleading and praying for more laborers to enter into the harvest. Campus ministry is not just the work of the congregation. It should be the work of the members of that congregation. That they're entering in and they're laboring and they're serving and that they're entering into that ministry. And so let's think about then the power and the potential for campus ministry. It might help in this session if I share with you just a little bit about uh, myself and who I am. And that might help as we make our way through this study together that you might know a little bit about the perspective that I bring as we're thinking about campus and college ministry together. I currently serve as the preacher for the North Charleston Church of Christ in North Charleston, South Carolina. 
We are 10 to 15 miles out of the downtown Charleston area. It's an area of the country that's beautiful. It's an area of the country that's historic. So many things in the Charleston area to see and to enjoy. We do not have at the North Charleston congregation currently a campus ministry. We can't from our parking lot and our place lift up our eyes and see and behold a campus ministry or a campus, a college. We can't see student housing. Now, there are a number of colleges in the Charleston area. There's Charleston Southern University. There is um, the College of Charleston in the downtown area. There's the Citadel and others. But they're not really in close proximity to where we're located in the city of Charleston. And so we don't currently have a college ministry. But before I was in the Charleston area, was working in Jacksonville, Alabama. In fact, when Wayne first approached me about speaking at Focal Point in sometime in 2019, I was still working for the Jacksonville Church of Christ, and Charleston was not even on the horizon as a possibility. And uh, we were laboring with the Jacksonville congregation uh, as their college minister. We were there for six and a half years from uh, June 2013 to December 2019. So I want to tell you a little bit about the college work for the Jacksonville Church of Christ and what that congregation is doing as they look out and see the opportunity that abounds for them because of their location. Now, if you've heard of Jacksonville before, you probably have heard of Jacksonville, Florida, and not Jacksonville, Alabama. But Jacksonville, Alabama and Jacksonville, Florida are exactly the same in name only. Jacksonville, Florida is a large urban city with a population of about 900,000. And Jacksonville, Alabama is a very small rural Alabama town boasting a population of about 12,000. So just exactly the same, but totally different. Jacksonville, Alabama has one major highway that runs through it, Alabama Highway 21. And if what you need cannot be found on Alabama Highway 21 then Jacksonville, Alabama does not have it to offer to you. But it is the home of Jacksonville State University, uh, better known in that part of Alabama as JSU. Um, JSU is a, is a college known for its marching band, the Marching Southerners. Uh, they have a fairly decent uh, football team who were just eliminated from the FCS playoffs uh, this past weekend. Uh, against, I think, Delaware beating them 20 to 14. Um, But here is a small Alabama college. Now, the state of Alabama has some other universities. Uh, JSU's enrollment is just around 9,000 students, so they're much, much smaller than Auburn University or the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Had to throw that in for Papa D. And I'm glad in his picture out here, where he is the director of the McCarty Student Center out here in the foyer, that the uh, Alabama A is like the most prominent symbol on the SEC tie that he's wearing. So as soon as I walked in the building and saw that, I had to take a picture of it, circle it, and send it to him. I'm glad my years with with the Jones have paid off and rubbed off on them. I don't think you'll ever hear him say the words Roll Tide because he is an old Miss rebel, but we're trying. Uh, So anyways, at the Jacksonville Congregation... They've had a college ministry for many, many years now. But where their building sits in the city of Jacksonville, right across the street is the campus of JSU or Jacksonville State University. 
And the church building is literally surrounded by the campus and college students. Across the street is the campus from the church parking lot. You can see the basketball coliseum. You can see a number of the dorm buildings. You can see a number of the buildings where they have classes and instruction. But all around the other sides of the church building are apartments that house various students who attended JSU. And so it was not uncommon to have multiple college students just walking across our parking lot, walking across our property as they're making their way to and from campus for their classes, for other activities, or walking across our property as they went from their apartment to Dollar General, which was right next door. And so at some point, the church in Jacksonville looked up and they saw an abounding opportunity to reach out to college students, to minister to them, to give them an opportunity to come and to see Jesus, to come and to learn about Him. They might have an opportunity to be saved. In the early 2000s, when the Jacksonville congregation built what is their new auditorium pictured there, they turned their old auditorium into the Jacksonville Christian Student Center. It it became the place where we would have our regular Bible classes on Sunday morning and Wednesday night with our college students. We were blessed to have a large core group of Christians who were in school there at JSU who worshipped with us. They loved to come to Bible class. They loved to study the scriptures. They loved to invite their friends and to bring them to their Bible classes so that we could begin to instruct them and to teach them about our Lord and our Master Jesus Christ. This was also the site of our Monday night dinner and devotionals. So every Monday night in the fall and spring semester, we would host the college students at the student center. One of the members of the congregation or a couple grouping together would provide a meal for our students. We would eat together at about 6.30. Around 7 o'clock, we would move into the student center where we would sing together, where we would study together. We often would theme our studies, so for one semester we might study the dreams of the Bible, or for the next semester we might study together on Monday nights the Sermon on the Mount, and so we would just spend those evenings in Scripture. Following our Bible study period, we did a weekly activity. So as soon as our devotional time's over, we're going to stay in the student center for another hour, or another hour and a half, two hours, and we're going to do a group activity. We're going to play games together and just spend time building relationships and entering into the lives of these young people and these college students that we might begin to know them and we might begin to learn about where they are in their faith, where they are in their understanding of the scriptures, where they are in their lives, the things that they're struggling with, the things that we need, and we can influence them and bring them along. What's not unusual on Wednesday evenings for our house to be full of college students. It was a regular practice that Kelly would allow me to invite the entire college group into our home, uh, and she graciously would work to provide for them desserts on Wednesday night, and we would spend an hour, two hours, sitting around, talking, playing cards, just getting to know people and entering into their lives to understand what was happening and what they needed. We would do spiritual activities, college retreat, getting away for a weekend, spending time studying, allowing for some of 
those Christian men who are growing and developing an opportunity to lead us in study, to lead us in singing, in prayer. We would do some just fun social activities. We'd get together and play laser tag, turn off the lights in the church building. No one else is there. We could finally run around through the auditorium and up through the student center with laser tag guns and just have fun. Pumpkin carving, just enjoying time together. What you're doing is you're building relationships. You're entering into the lives of people. You're tearing down walls where people are willing to open up, to share, to discuss, to help one another grow in their faith. The Jacksonville Christian Student Center was, and still is, a recognized student organization. That is, we weren't technically on the campus of JSU, but we were an officially recognized student organization, which meant we could go on campus and we could be involved in some of the things on campus. So every summer we were allowed to set up a booth for Gamecock orientation. Jacksonville State University Gamecocks, their orientation session every summer is bringing in all of their freshmen and their families to tell them about the university, register them for classes. So at the end of the day, we have our booth set up and we have all of these incoming freshmen, their families coming by, and we have an opportunity to introduce them to the Jacksonville Church of Christ. We have an opportunity to introduce them to the church, where we're located, to our student center, to the things that we provide. And often one of our college students or several of them are working this booth and they have an opportunity to grow and to develop in their ability to talk to individuals about Jesus and to become comfortable with extending invitations for people to come and to learn. That's a, just a, a brief summation of what we did in, in the campus ministry that we were blessed to be a part of at the Jacksonville Congregation. But I want to give you then what I perceive to be the power of campus ministry from that perspective. Having lived and worked in that field for those six and a half years, here's what I perceive to be the greatest powers and potentials that exist in college and campus ministry. And the first one is this. College ministry has the power to contact far and wide. We're familiar with the great commission of Jesus. He tells his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. In Mark's account, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And so Jesus has commanded that as his people, we're going far and wide with the gospel. And in college and campus ministry, you have this really unique opportunity to take the gospel to one place that allows you in that one place to contact people far and wide. We were in this small rural town of Alabama. When college was in session, the town doubles in size. 12,000 plus 9,000 is 21,000. That's nearly twice as much as you had to begin with. And you have one highway that everybody's driving down, and so it can become a, a difficult way to get around town. But you have in that one place the ability to reach people all over the world. And so we were able to teach and plant the gospel into the heart of people all over the state of Alabama. But even into neighboring states like Tennessee and Georgia, 
But we were able to have students that we taught, that we interacted with, that we could encourage with the gospel from places as far as Virginia, Colorado, and Texas. But not just in the United States. We were able to, just by preaching the gospel on a small campus in rural Alabama, teach the gospel to places like Italy, the Ivory Coast of Africa, and other places as we had often students just stopping in because we were across the street. They woke up and they said, you know what, I think I would like to go to church somewhere today. And they look out and and there we are. And the international house was maybe two blocks up the road. And so it was not unusual to have individuals who were from a foreign country just wander into our Bible classes and our worship services. And so who knows how far the gospel has gone because it was taught and planted in one place. It has the power to contact far and wide. And through that campus ministry... Individuals who came as Christians or or who even were converted there left there and carried the gospel with them. Some have left from uh, the Jacksonville Christian Student Center and the influence of the Jacksonville Church of Christ and now they're preaching the gospel. And they're preaching in places like Arkansas and Georgia and Tennessee. And others are preachers' wives and they're encouraging people who are preaching the gospel. One graduated and, and he went to Tennessee and now he's teaching the Bible in a private school setting. And so the gospel just multiplies. And where did it begin? In that one place. You can teach the gospel on a campus, a college ministry, and it has far-reaching effects. And who knows how far the gospel will go. And so it has this unique opportunity and ability to contact far and wide. Number two, the power of campus ministry. The power to convert. I want to share with you a a couple of individuals that we had the opportunity to study the the Bible with and to convert to Christianity, to convert to followers of Jesus. Colossians 1 and and verse 13, Paul talks about how there were individuals who were delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And when you have a campus ministry, it's a great place where those who are Christians can feel comfortable and confident in inviting their friends to come and to learn about Jesus. And so here are a couple of of young ladies I'd like to tell you about. The one in the burnt orange, reddish color, her name is Hannah. Hannah came to us because of one of her friends. We were beginning a new semester. This was our first dinner and devotional of that new semester, and a young man by the name of Rusty came. Rusty was a Christian from a congregation in North Alabama. Happened to be his first semester and his first devotional. Uh, He showed up a few minutes early. We were getting to know him, visiting with him, and then suddenly Rusty said, I'll be right back. Out the door he went. (laughs) I had no clue who who he was, much less where he was going. And he came back a few minutes later with a young girl named Hannah. Hannah was one of his classmates in high school. She was not a Christian. He was there for that devotional, and he decided to bring her. She stayed that night. She had supper with us. She attended our devotional study. She stayed for our activity. She started coming back regularly. She would come Wednesday nights to our home. After several weeks, 
one Wednesday night, we were sitting on the couch. A lot of people were beginning to leave, and I just asked Hannah about what her religious background was. And I said, would, would you be interested in kind of sitting down and studying the Bible? She said, yeah, I would like that. A couple of studies later, and we had the privilege of baptizing her into Christ. And Hannah is about to graduate. And not just with a degree, but she's going to leave there a faithful Christian because of the power of college ministry. Standing next to her in this picture, the blonde-headed girl, her name's Hope. We had the opportunity to teach her the gospel because of her friends who just invited her to our devotionals. She came from a place in Tennessee, one of her friends and roommates, Taylor Ann, constantly was bringing her to our devotionals. It helped that uh, her boyfriend was also there and uh, a member of the church. Avery's a fantastic young man. And so they would, through their influence, teach her and help her. And so Hope came regularly. She brought her Bible. She brought her notebook. And she listened and took notes. She was in our house. One night, I don't remember, it was late in the evening, Kelly and I received a text from Taylor Ann. Her and Hope would like to come by and talk to us. Didn't know what this was going to be about. Turned, turned into sitting around the dinner table with an open Bible. And a short time later, we were on our way to the church building to baptize her into Christ. And she's graduating with a degree, heading to, to Birmingham, Alabama, to continue her education to become a physical therapist. But she's leaving a faithful Christian. And you have that opportunity in campus and college ministry to create an atmosphere where young people who love Jesus and are serving him feel like they can invite and bring their friends to learn about Jesus. But it's not just about converting friends. I want to tell you about the guy on the far right. His name is Judson. Judson didn't come because of someone in the college group. He just came because we happened to be across the street from the college because we have a sign outside advertising what we do on Monday nights. And so one Monday evening, he just shows up. Judson really had no friends and no place, and we welcomed him. And just invited him to come back. And he kept coming to our devotionals. Started coming to our house. And we were able to provide for him a place where he could find friendship. That he had been so desperately longing for. After a few weeks, we were able to sit down together and talk about the Bible. Study the scriptures. Able to baptize Judson into Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. And he's still there actively engaged in the ministry of the church, serving Jesus, a part of their devotionals and their activities, all because somewhere down the line, the congregation saw the power and the potential to reach out and to minister in the lives of young people. And there are other congregations who might say stuff, stuff like, why are you spending so much money in campus ministry? Why do you spend so much time with college students? 
Well, because congregations have lifted their eyes and they've seen and perceived the opportunity that's there to plant the gospel in the hearts of men and the hearts of women and the hearts of these young people to harvest their hearts for Jesus Christ that they might serve the Lord and Master. Number three, college ministry has the power and the potential to confirm faith. One of the responsibilities that we have as the people of God is to encourage one another. In Luke chapter 22, you have Jesus talking to Simon Peter. And he says in verse 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you like wheat. I've prayed for you. And when you return... Here's your responsibility, Peter. Strengthen the brethren. Confirm them. Build them up. The term means something like set them or turn them in a certain direction. Peter, here's your responsibility. Help turn your brethren in the direction of Jesus and keep them following him. As you read about the early church, the book of Acts, they often engaged in this ministry of strengthening and confirming one another. In fact, four times Paul uses, or the, Luke uses rather, as he's writing about the ministry of Paul and others, Acts 14, Acts 15, and Acts 18, he notes that the early church were strengthening or strengthened the faith of one another. And that term translated in the book of Acts, strengthening or strengthened, only found in those four passages, means something like to support or to stake. If you've ever planted a garden or seen a garden planted or seen trees planted, when they're planted young, before they grow and develop and mature, they're often put right next to a stake, something that's strong and sturdy that will hold them up and support them as they grow. What you have in a campus ministry is just that, a stake to support the faith of young people. People are coming and many times they're leaving home for the first time. They're leaving behind, if they're coming from a Christian family, they might be leaving behind a congregation and a family that has been for them a system of support. And now they're stepping out on their own. And what they need is someone who will see them, someone who will stand beside them and support their faith as it grows, as it develops, and as it matures. People come into college with all different and varying degrees in levels of their faith. Some come and they have been in a place where they have had support. So, whether, so their, their faith is already strong, it's already developing. But others come with a very weak faith, a very underdeveloped faith. And they need a system and a place of support that can help their faith to grow and to blossom. And campus ministry provides that opportunity where you can enter into the lives of young people and you see and you begin to learn where they are and where their faith is and you can stand beside them to be the stake that helps to support them so that they can blossom and grow and mature in Christ and in Christianity. It's a, it's a place where iron can sharpen iron, Proverbs 17 and verse 27, where we can help one another grow and to develop and to mature. We help one another be more like Jesus. It was a blessing.
to watch faith in the life of those young people that we were able to work with and to watch their faith mature and then to listen to their conversations as they talked about seeing certain dangers and difficulties with potential friendships and making the decision that they're not going that direction. Or they're seeing potential for temptation in these areas and you're listening to their conversations and they're making decisions not to go in that direction. But it can be heartbreaking. It can be difficult. Because they're not always making the right decision. And so you're entering into the lives of these people and you're watching. And they're, as they're growing and maturing, there's going to be stumbles, bad choices. But you're there and campus ministry is there to be that system of support. To help them pick them back up and say, we're, we're going forward. We're moving on. And so college and campus ministry, Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Look to the fields. They're white for harvest. See and perceive there an abounding opportunity. I'm thankful for the University Church of Christ and the foresight to engage in campus ministry at Texas State University. And I'm sure as I describe what we did at Jacksonville State that many of the things that we were doing in campus ministry and that continue with that congregation are being done here in the college ministry, McCarty with the Texas State University. Continue in that work. Labor in it. Enter into the lives of those young people. It will bless them. Oh, and it will have a tremendous impact and blessing in your life also. Thank you very much.